And that's why Jesus wants us to vote for that political party. That makes so much sense now. Yeah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> welcome to Beer and Bible. I'm Neil, the lead questioner and pretend Bible expert. The architect. The head architect of everything. Oh, architect. Yes. <laughs> And I'm Chris, the super high-functioning alcoholic and official Bible reader and stumble maker for Mr. Neil over here, trying to out-question his questioning. That's really funny, because later on, we are going to get to a part in Matthew where Jesus actually says, woe to those who cause these little ones to stumble. Ooh, well, that's so, me. So what are you drinking tonight? Oh, yeah, we got to start with that. I'm actually on something different. So today, I have the Deschutes. Fresh Haze IPA, India Pale Ale, um, ooh, and some meatball burps. Anyway, a good thing we're got the screens on the microphones. These are pretty good. I just switched it up a little bit just because I didn't have a chance to go by my regular gas station. But yeah, that's what I'm burping today. Next time you go, tell Indian Neil I said hi. <laughs> I say, hey, my, my friend White Neil says hi, Indian Neil. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but tell him I said what's up. Nice. He doesn't have much of an accent. Huh. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) I'm thinking about Arrested Development. Huh. Good Good for for her. her. (laughs) Uh, All right. We are in Matthew chapter 13. We finally got out of Matthew chapter 12, and we are moving into a section that is Jesus' parables. So thinking again, large picture of the book of Matthew, he is telling a story, he is building an argument for a Jewish audience, and in his larger narrative, he has five sections of teaching, we're reaching into the third one. In my brain, I always think about them as five different albums. You have his first one, which is the Sermon on the Mount, that's like the greatest hits, people go back and are like, I like the old Jesus. And then we're into the third section. This is the parables. Now, in the book of Luke, you have these same parables or some different parables as well told, and those are spread throughout the the gospel of Luke. Matthew takes all of the parables and puts them all together. If you think of it, it's not necessarily that Jesus told all of these parables at one time, like we are going to see in the book of Matthew, but rather Matthew compiles all the parables into one section. Mm. For me, I always look at this as Jesus's experimental album. (laughs) It's where, (laughs) because some people, the people who get it, love it. And then there's a bunch of people who don't get it and they hate it. So that's the way I think of it. And a parable literally means to throw alongside of. Not that that helps you with anything in your life, but it's just something to know. There's your etymology of the word parable. I've heard the phrase, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, which always makes me, ugh. Yeah. It just sounds like very churchy. What did you hear in your day? Uh, did you ever hear Didn't really get a lot of explanation. They just said what the parable was and then gave you like their interpretation of it. So... I like how you said their interpretation, because that's one of the tricky things, that parables are these crazy stories, and you're like, okay, what, what does it mean? And it means the witches will... should be burned, and you should make their family watch. Yes. So that's why you always have a duck on hand, just to test the witch. Was that Monty Python? Yes. Yeah. And there were parables before Jesus. He's not the one that created this new way of doing it. He took what the rabbis were doing. So we do have at least one parable example from Hillel, which predates Jesus. And I've also read that Palestinian, which would be where Jesus is, versus Babylonian rabbi. So 
there were two different groups or schools of rabbis at the time. There was the Palestinian rabbinic school, and then there was the Babylonian rabbinic school. So Palestinian would be Israel and where we know of that today, and then Babylonian would be where I think, if I have this right, I think it's modern-day Iraq. So there were two different schools of rabbis, and the Palestinian ones, the ones in Jesus' area, were more likely to use these parables when they were trying to teach. And there are 2,000 rabbinic parables. Not Again, these are not older than Jesus, but just 2,000 rabbinic parables roughly around that time. And the introductions are very similar to Jesus and what he says. To what shall I liken this? To How should I compare this? That's the way a lot of these parables start. So he fits within what they're already doing. And the interpretations of Jesus is a little bit different because he does these twist endings. So his are a little <laughs> bit different than the other 2000 ones. He does the M. Night Shyamalan Shamalahan endings. The twists. Yes. Yes. He, he does try and surprise his audience at times to really get them to think differently about something that they have seen every day. So as we are coming to these parables, some of the ways to think about it is we want to understand the words and phrases themselves and then make the interpretation afterwards. Don't jump to the conclusion and start making the interpretation and then find it in the parable. You do have three things that often show up in these parables. You have your father God character, then you have a good thing and a bad thing. And those are the three things that are included in most of these parables. Mm. So generally, we want to think in our in our head when we see a lot of these parables, there are going to have one main central idea that are going to be shared maybe in multiple stories. So Jesus might say, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and then he'll tell something. Then he'll say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And often, those are two different stories with the same point. So he's just driving the point home, saying it three different ways. It's funny he doesn't talk about like carpentry stuff. He's always talking about like farming and stuff wasn't it why, why was he well, where did the carpentry thing come from was that joseph was that his dad yes his stepdad yes and i want to say at one point they do actually mention that jesus was a carpenter because yeah. he sure uh, the, tells a bunch of stories about fucking grain and farming and things like that instead of like you know it'd be funny if everything was like having to do with wood where he's like you know the saw doesn't cut the hand but once or something like that or you know the the wood shavings create the you know, I can't think of anything, but that would be pretty funny. Maybe that was his problem. He couldn't think of anything either. <laughs> He's but, like, farming. I've just been walking around these motherfucking fields for too long, and that's all I've got in my head is grain, because I'm usually hungry. I, I wonder if it's just that when it comes to farming, it was a practice that everyone was very, very familiar with when you have that large of a percentage of your population that does farming, and even those who are not farmers would either be familiar with it or have done some farming in their own lives. So maybe it, uh, this is just a speculation. I'm uh, wondering with you sense. right now. It's more relatable. Yeah, because he doesn't really tell any stories about fishing, even though he has oh, four yeah, fishermen right. in his group. That He was on a fishing kick for a while, wasn't he? No, not really. What if he started talking about his time in the desert like a bunch, where it's like, he's just like... Yep, just like that time me and the devil were out there kicking it, and then that, I mean, that motherfucker was tempting me, and then... Because I think of this all as albums, I'm thinking of this as like a VH1 behind the music special. <laughs> what happened before his first album? He had to fight his own demons. <laughs> what happened? Like, literal demons. I, think, I wonder if the, the disciples ever asked him about that shit. They're just like, I know we're completely in the wrong chapter, but they're like, what was, what was he like? 
What's, what's Satan like? If the devil like? Yeah, like I wonder. Ah, you'll find out. Judas. <laughs> <laughs> Very androgynous. Very sexy. <laughs> Very sexy. So sexy. You want to be like bang him, you know. We were in the desert. It was gross. <laughs> there wasn't much going on. I told him, bitch, I was getting get out of here. I said, bitch, get behind me. <laughs> you said that. You actually said that to Satan, right? You said that. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. trust that motherfucker behind said, me. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind, go ahead and bring us in. Now that we understand now that we understand parables and where we're going. And the sexual dynamic between Jesus and Satan. Yes. <laughs> He's the trickster. Not Jesus. Satan's the trickster. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him. Oh, that, I feel like that would be annoying. I mean, I know that's what that's part of the gig, but just all the time. Anyway. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. Oh, there you go. While the people stood on the shore. Okay, I, I guess he wasn't annoyed. He just, maybe. What, I don't know. It, it why sounds did he like... get in the boat, Neil? Uh, hold on. Let me, let me go back to this thing. <laughs> I want to take two ideas that you have just brought to me and put them together, okay. which is, you know... When you're trying to get alone, they're surrounded by crowds, or when you finally get away from them, you're surrounded by Satan. So, I don't know. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's in the can't corner, get away just it. naked. It's like, God, you, could you at least put a loincloth on Satan? You're such a dick. So picking up from chapter 12, we had this whole conversation or discourse about Jesus healing people, and then they were saying, who who are my mother and who are my brothers? And Jesus is like, those who do my will and, and things like that. So then he immediately moves into and says, on that day. Now, I wonder if we look at all of chapter 12 and we do all the parables on one day, first of all, that might be the longest 24-hour period of Jesus that we have aside from him getting crucified. Mm. So this is a huge chunk of a day happening. Or, like we said before, Matthew might be doing this as a literary point, and it might be that he is trying to connect everything that happened to chapter 12 into chapter 13. So all this stuff happens, and now these parables are going to explain part of that. So they say, you are of Satan, and you are these things, and he is saying, you need to have faith like the Gentiles in these two stories. If you are not, not familiar with our podcast, jump back an episode or two, and you'll kind of catch up on what, what, what I'm talking about here. But the point is that you have these stories where Jesus says to the Pharisees, these Jewish people, here's what you need to do. You need to believe in me. And now he's going to move into these parables that might be in a way attached or at least supposed to be seen as one continuous day in the book of Matthew. Hmm. Whose house was he staying in? Probably Peter's at this point. Capernaum, he's still in the Galilee area. He's there. And then you were pointed out the, all these crowds. It actually says plural crowds, not there was a large crowd. There were crowds plural and in the book of mark it actually says the greatest crowd of all oklos pletos bigger than normal crowds in the book of mark Mm. and you ask about why does he get on the boat well there are inlets in northern galilee sea where people can sit up on these hilltops and he can go out on a boat and when he speaks the the sound goes across the water and carries better into these almost naturally formed um what are they called Stadiums? Oh. No. Uh, arena? No. Uh, amphitheaters. Amphitheaters, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Ha-ha. <coughs> yeah. So he goes out to this boat. And now he begins teaching them. And like I said, in this case, it he's got his really weird experimental album. And <laughs> w- 
one of the fun things that happens in this, and we're not going to get that far into it tonight, but we'll get into it next time, is that later on, when he starts telling these parables, the disciples are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, no, no, I love this, love Jesus. And then later on, they get away from him. They're like, hey, um, like I understood everything you said, and your your parable made perfect sense to me, but um, yeah, Simon over there didn't understand it, so if you don't mind, could you explain to Simon and with me here? speak. Yeah, like just make it easier for for Simon, not for me. But I like I got it. I was gonna explain it to him, but I knew you could do it better. Simon's just giving him the finger the entire time. Like screw yeah. you, dude. <laughs> screw you. Not Jesus, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how they treated each other. I can't imagine it was well, considering how diverse they were. Uh, maybe uh, they grew to love each other. Yeah, maybe. I hope eventually. <laughs> Actually, later on, when Paul gets in the mix, there is actually a, a disagreement between the St. Peter and St. Paul. They they disagree, and they end up parting ways Ooh. because they're so mad at each other. Dang. I, yeah, that's all in the Bible. Good stuff. All right, let's go ahead and read 3 through 9. I'm surprised Jesus didn't parable them to get the fuck over themselves and keep following him. Jesus was already, he already pieced out uh, by the time Paul and Peter have that disagreement. Uh, I'd have to check with our Latter-day friends, but maybe he was in America at that time. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. Oh, my Love God. Love you guys. Have you been watching Extreme Mormons on Instagram? Uh, yes. The, oh the, my yeah. God, I fucking love it. I can't tell if it's satire or if it's like they're being for real. It seems like satire, but sometimes I'm like, and I know, and since we know like quite a few that are cool as fuck and who would do shit like that, like it's kind of like I don't know, I can't I can't get a read on it. I, I know on our Instagram account, people have been confused by us. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> but it's so good. It you just made me think about it. It's so good. Yeah. Extreme Mormons, guys, check it out. Uh, okay, let's see here. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, "A farmer went out to sow his seed." Now, this isn't like how angels sow their seed. This guy's actually trying to plant, like, crops. Yes. As he was scattering, or I guess angels are sowing God's seed. I don't know. Anyway. They're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like (laughs) they're the lucky ones. Uh, But then again, you know, so are the ones that, I guess, like, go out and kill people. He's got his angel death squad, too. Anyway. um, He's got got an angel for everything. For everything. (laughs) (laughs) Send out... Send out the fertility angel. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> the pregnancy angel, and then send out the death angels. They got some pretty cool jobs. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Um, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Oh, I know this one. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so you said you've heard this before. What did you hear? Uh, It's been a long time. Basically, it has to be planted in good soil to get good results, like... 
you know, if you don't have a good, I can't even remember at this point what the whole like lesson was. Usually by that time I'm faded out and just reading revelations and yeah, it's something, something along that lines. I don't know. (laughs) I was just curious because again, I didn't grow up with this. This was actually the very first sermon I ever preached. True story on that one. So as you said, the whole point is like, it's got to fall on the good soil. Well, here's a good question. If it's supposed to fall on the good soil, like the standard Christian teaching on this, then it should be the caster's fault. He's the one who threw it in the wrong soil. Yeah. He's the one throwing it in the road. Yeah. So that, it sounds like a caster problem, or the farmer problem, not really the soil problem. So we should put the blame. Now, one of the things he does is he takes the seed and he throws it into the air. So if you've got a good breeze going, you throw it into the air and then it scatters everywhere. So it's going to fall everywhere. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have the soil and you're going to go plant something, why would you just go throw it in the air and just be like, oh, well, hope it goes somewhere? No, you probably, <laughs> you probably went out and actually plowed and got the field ready. So you're like, okay, step one, plow the field. Step two, seed the field. His audience probably would have already assumed that it had been plowed and they that would have already been in their minds when he said this. So the first section that he talks about is he talks about how some of it fell along the path or on the road and that the birds came in and ate it. Well, in Midrash Peah, which Peah is boundaries or the corners. So when you see the Hasidic Jewish people with the long curls on the sides of their head, one of those is called Peah. The two of them together are called Peot, and those are the corners. So there is a writing or rabbinic teaching on the corners of your field, and that they talked about in that, they talk about the different paths that go around the fields. So that would have been around the time of Jesus. There would have been paths that go through and between fields. We mentioned this in one of our early episodes with Jesus and his disciples walking along paths, picking up grain and rolling it in their hands to get little kernels. Hmm. So the thing is about these paths is that you could actually till it. You could have plowed the path and also made it good, but it didn't. So that's something to think about. I don't want to get too caught up to, up into this, but something to think about. I was going to say, that'd be funny. They're like sitting there listening and he's like, and some fell on the path and like, <laughs> they're whispering to each other in the audience like, who's throwing this grain? Some fucking Gentiles? <laughs> that is actually a great point or a great way of thinking about it. That's fantastic. I love it. Something else about it is why is he throwing it on the path? Like he knows where the field is. You're standing there, and you're like, I know where the field is. I'm standing next to a field. I'm standing in the field. So it might be that he's trying to get every last corner of the field. Like he's yeah. like, I got a lot of seed. I want to make sure I get as much out of this field as I possibly can. So he goes right to the edges and doesn't mind wasting the seed in order to get as much of it planted as possible. Yeah, trying to get that return. Yeah. And then there are also some stories in the Old Testament that talk about birds sort of being a representation of evil. Not saying that's what was assumed. I believe it. Thinking of it. I, I fucking believe it. I've got these two little stupid blue birds. They're so pretty. They're so fucking pretty. But they've been dive bombing my truck for the past three days trying to get into it to build a nest. And I'm like, dude, it's not. you can't get in there. You're not going to build a nest in there. And they've been just scratching it. And they've shit everywhere. My side view mirror looks like it's white now. It's a black mirror, like the outer covering. And it's like a big toe mirror, and it's completely white from bird shit. And it's all over the side of the truck. And so I, like, folded the mirror in and put a hung a shirt on it like a little scarecrow. So they went to the other side and started pecking a mother window and shitting all over it. Birds, Evil, evil little fucks. Yeah. Now, the ones that were mentioned in the Old Testament that represented evil were all with were all birds of prey. So this doesn't quite mesh with this, but I do just want to put that out there, that birds in some of these stories could be considered evil. Mm. You might have to do a bit of a stretch to get there. 
but I want to leave that option. That's a creative option for all of our audience. Apparently, if you want to choose birds that. aren't real either. They're fake. They're a, that is they're true. Birds aren't real. Yeah, from the government. So going to the rocky soil, the there are rocky outcroppings in the middle of the field. These are not bare rocks. So if you've ever been around gravelly soil where it's like dirt and gravel mixed together, it's That's really my hard entire to property. Yes, and you know exactly how hard it is to grow any grass or anything in there. Yes, it just dries up. Yep. So how would he know that this was going to be rocky? He would have if he had plowed it. He would have been like, oh shoot, this is rocky soil. Eh, oh well. And if it's really gravelly, it's it's not. It's gonna be really hard to get rid of all those tiny little rocks out of it. Oh yeah. We plowed my grandparents' field when I was a kid. My pop would plow his garden or every year the same way. Well, had two of me would rotate, but every year. For like fifteen years, I mean, it probably. I mean, he was working it longer than that, but I remember, like, for fifteen years, we'd be out there helping him, like, because he would plow, and we would go behind him and pick up the rocks and throw them out of the field. And every year, there were more fucking rocks somehow. I don't know how, but always. I mean, and not just a couple rocks, like a ton of rocks, like buckets and buckets and buckets. Just fun fact. Yeah, no, that sounds like you really understand this. Uh, you understand this parable about how much of a pain this is. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So you got to be careful where you okay. put your seed. You want it in that like good, dark, juicy soil, not some like skinny, rocky, weird, like crackhead soil. I mean, wait. What's the parable about again? It's about a sower <laughs> sowing his seed. <laughs> And he does it by scattering it over the widest, broadest group. So he just it, he just spreads his seed among Everywhere. the rocky ones, <laughs> among the thorny ones, on on just whatever he finds on the streets. <laughs> it's in the Bible, guys. Yep. It's in the Bible. <laughs> so moving on to the thorns is that you have to understand that Palestine is a very weedy, thorny area. It's just the way it is. And if we're making the assumption that the the field was plowed then plowing up the weeds is actually going to scatter their seeds into the soil as well so the plowing is going to set up the problem of the weeds growing and, and choking out the crop that he's trying to grow oh yeah so You're stirring it all up yeah so again this seems like a major problem for the sower i think this is how we need to bl- uh, blame it on now of course <laughs> the goal was to get to the good soil so yes and matthew says another and in Mark says other lot, so the other groups fall there. What is interesting about the soil here is that he has 160 and 30 fold, which, by the way, Mark's account does 30, 60, 100. So same ones, just Matthew reverses it. And I think we've talked about this before, that we make the assumption that Matthew might have used Mark as a reference to write from. And if that's the case, then it makes sense why it is accurate counting exactly 30, 60, 100. Luke, who probably also used the book of Mark, he just writes 100. How come he starts and, with 100 and goes 60 or 30? That kind of confused. I just went back and looked. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Is like 160 or 130? Or is it like 100? Because you'd think he'd go 30, 60, or even 100 times. Right, right. It is those split but i don't know why he reversed it yeah. maybe it's just that the first ones that fall make the biggest impact that's mm. that is literally just a f- first thought off the top of my head not studied please please do not take my words and be like he said this and it's true yeah. no 
That's just my guess. It's as good as your guess. Matthew, you dumb dumb. Yes. <laughs> but And he was their numbers guy too. Yeah. So maybe that's why maybe it is actually more accurate than the other ones. <laughs> hmm. Hadn't thought about that one. Speaking of the numbers guy and how it's a little bit different is that in that time period in that area, the idea of saying something like crop producing 100 fold sounds pretty ridiculous. You would assume maybe 10 times you could maybe 10 X your, your production, but 100 is beyond something normal. So some people speculate the point of this is that it's a miraculous multiplication, not just something normal. A miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Oh, that last part, hearing. Again, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to check with our dungeon master. That's not a Dungeons and Dragons. That's just our friend Joey. <laughs> Joey. But if I remember correctly, it is a vocative third person. If I remember correctly, provocative, uh, vocative, or um, where you are saying something or like commanding somebody. Oh. So if I were to say, "Hey, Chris, go do this," I'm telling you or asking you to go do something go it's not you i'm not making a statement that you are going oh so if i remember correctly in greek you can actually do that with a third person so i could be talking to you but a conversation between you and me and make a statement or a command of somebody else oh he should go so we do that's where we turn into he who has ears let him hear is how a lot of translations in english handle that issue Gotcha. How do you how do you command a third person, either a group or a single person, to go do something? It's kind of an interesting concept linguistically. Anyways, that's sort of it. We're gonna stop there because we are going to continue on and delve into this a little bit further and get the explanation from Jesus in a little bit. Something that I do want to share with you guys is that this parable actually is one of the inspirations for how I teach and what then eventually has become Beer and Bible. A couple of years ago, I was doing an internship with a church, and I was asked to lead a Bible study among a bunch of different adult Christians, and we were talking about this issue of this path. We talked about how some of the seed fell onto a path. And instead of sitting there going, okay, well, what is Jesus trying to say? What is the text trying to say? We ended up developing these two camps. We had one group of people that was saying, well, a path is what you want to go on because paths have been worn in by tradition and good things. And, you know, Jesus wants us to stay on the path. And then we had this other group and we're like, no, no, you need to break away. And Jesus wants us to break away from the path and take a path less traveled. Hmm. Like, no, that's Robert for us, not, not the Bible, but <laughs> sure. Okay. And what was funny is instead of trying to understand what the text was saying, these two groups, they started, people started agreeing and disagreeing with each other and started creating this whole metaphor around the path, not trying to understand the parable, but trying to understand, sort of create their own application to life. And I remember... Hey, I lost that's complete, how denominations start. Yeah, I, I lost complete control of the group. <laughs> I listened to this, and I just remember leaving there going, this is not where I want to be. I do not want to... Not, not that it wasn't anything against the church, the internship, but I don't want to be in a situation where we are making stuff up instead of trying to figure out, okay... Stop before we start taking our Western ideas and concepts and applications and create these new, essentially creating new parables about this. Let me just try and understand what Jesus is saying or what the text is trying to say or what was going on in that culture before I bring my assumptions into it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, <laughs> so same thing. We're going to stop there. So don't jump to too many conclusions here. 
But focus in on tonight just the understanding of the practice and the illustration that Jesus is giving us with a plowed field, someone scattering it, you know, throwing the seed into the wind. You make sure that we have the same mental image and picture that Jesus's audience has of the same parable. Yes, I concur. Good. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining us. I want to say, like, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for joining us. Check us out on Instagram at Beer and Bible Show. Check us out on Facebook. Check out Extreme Mormons on Instagram. Tell them Chris yes. and Neil sent you. Um, yes. And, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah, and uh, if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please give us a quick rating. That just helps us. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I didn't even think we, about that. Yeah, we, we look a little bit more legitimate. I, I was thinking, like, maybe give us, like, a four-star. If there's, like, if, if it's all five-star, give us one four-star so it looks like we're not... Yeah, we're not telling our make, friends to do it. <laughs> but we are. So maybe just leave it at five-star. I don't know. I don't know how Spotify works, but help us out. Yeah, y- y'all figure yeah. it out and help us. Help us help you help us. Yes. <laughs> all right. Yes. All right. Bye, guys.